Radio Days Africa podcast is brought to you by the Vids Radio Academy. Africa 2020 is about to go live. Well, welcome to Radio Days Africa 2020, the new normal. It's Africa's largest radio conference now in its 11th year. It's brought to you by the Wits Radio Academy under the auspices of the Wits Department of Journalism. And um, God damn it, you know, I didn't realize this, but it's both David Hasselhoff and Angela Merkel's birthdays today. I don't know if that's a coincidence or what. But anyhow, thanks to our sponsors and our partners, the Conrad Adenauer Institute with offices in Johannesburg and Cape Town, who do great work around Southern Africa, advocating democracy across the region. Also to OCS Africa, our own OFM, who host our podcast, the Abundant Media Group. And also thanks to Lindsay Johnson and Crossfade Studios, straight out of Cape Town. You know what I'm saying? And for all the digital guys amongst us, please register for all the Radio Days Africa sessions at www.radiodaysafrica.co.za. You can follow us on Facebook, on the Wits Radio Academy Facebook page, and also on Twitter at Radio Days Africa with the hashtag RDA2020, as well as hashtag the new normal. Your voice notes, uh, we appreciate on WhatsApp. Please send those in during the course of this session. And the, uh, the local number is 079-528-0000. If you're coming from outside the country, internationally from Africa, or anywhere in the Grande Monde, you can uh, do it on 0027-79528-0000. And for all your questions and comments for today's session, you can uh, use the messaging and the Q&A functions at the bottom of your Zoom page. Well, today's session number 10 for Radio Days Africa 2020, and it's been titled uh, The Old God Meets the New God. <laughs> and uh, we've invited the 2020 South African Radio Awards Hall of Fame inductees for an hour of kind of like huffing and puffing around, around the screen. Just to give you some background, the South African Radio Awards Hall of Fame was set up in 2010, and the criteria for nominations for this, it's a category that relies on written nominations from anyone, and the judges uh, have to consider a person who's been in the industry for over 15 years. That was changed to 30 years in this year's uh, Radio Awards 2020. And they're either still in the business or they've retired. The judges are also happy to consider a posthumous award, of which have been quite a few. Um, you need to be made an indelible mark in the industry, either on air or in management, and ideally uh, being revered and talked about by the industry, either good or bad. The judges would like this person to have been a strong inspiration and mentor. Um, some background here, since 2010, some of the People who have been inducted into the Hall of Fame are people like Treasure Shabalala, the late DJ Kabzela, Dan Moyani, John Pillman, Chris Pryor, John Burks, Chris Khadebe, Chumani Chumani, Shadow Twala, Timur Dise, Alex J, Bob the Jammer Mabana, and Stan Periwater Katz, as well as Cocky well Tubal, Jeremy Mansfield, Lumkin Tinde, who was at uh, I think the Community Radio Forum and MDDA is now a member of Parliament. The late Lance James, Jeremy Maggs, Zolo Yeye, Wilson Biancosi, as well as uh, Kevin Savage, the Sav, my old boss Greg Maloka, as well as Patrick Bachatsu, amongst others. There are many more, and to see a full list, you can visit the South African Radio Awards website where you'll find the Hall of Fame tag and all the inductees since 2010. Well, if a recent uh, welcome to all our 2020 Hall of Famers, 
in no particular order. They're Brian Oxley, currently working at Magic A2H. He's been a client of him and one, was one of the original members and startup team of Capital Radio and TransSky. Also, Peter Wise, who's been around for ages as well. I met Peter who, in 1981 when he was at, at, at Varsity Radio. He's worked at Algoa, various broadcasters in Johannesburg, and he currently runs Wise Broadcasting and Marketing. And last but not least is Dr. Gabriel Yogoti. He's the station manager at RX Radio. He has a long, long history in community health, as well as uh, promoting community health through media. And I did a little Google search, and Doctor, you mentioned in so many different uh, academic papers around this very thing. I mean, I'm going to download them and actually read them. Um, one of our uh, panelists who was inducted into the Hall of Fame couldn't make it today. He's ill. And that's the Reverend Prince Zulu, who's been doing religious broadcasting for over 40 years on Radio Causey and other radio stations. It's a pity he couldn't join us today. So to get into this, uh, the young meets the old today, or the old meets the young, um, I'd like to know from each of the inductees, where were you born? Where did you go to school? Where did you grow up? You know, how did you find yourself in radio broadcasting? And, and, and what do you still love about this business? Let's start with you, Dr. Gorty. You have to un unmute your mic. Dr. Gorty, you've got to unmute yeah, your yeah. mic. No, there you go. Okay. Thanks so much, Neil, and, and uh, good afternoon, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. I was, well, the accent, I think, puts me away. I was born uh, in Argentina, in Buenos Aires, and I lived there, I studied there, and I left Argentina during the military junta's times, and that was in 1980. Uh, I got involved in radio uh, during those times in Argentina in the community radio sector and I came to South Africa and my field had been child health, children, children's rights and uh, when I was practicing in Cayelicha uh, running a community uh, health workers programs called Sibonele during the tough times of uh, the, the, the late 80s, beginning of the 90s, uh, with the community health workers, we decided to start uh, what it became the first, actually, uh, community radio station in the country. It was Radio Sibonele, uh, Bush Radio at the same time. But we start broadcasting illegally a little bit, uh, 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 more or less uh, six months before. And, and, and that was the beginning. And since then, uh, I have been involved with the community radio sector and now with Rx Radio there is a radio station run by um, four children at Red Cross War Memorial Children's Hospital. Being an Argentinian and, and like Che Guevara, did you play any rugby? <laughs> I did play rugby. I wasn't good. I play as a win. I have a three good 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 friends that we are at school together they were Pumas, uh, all of them. Uh, so yeah. I, I can't say I was a great player. I was better at soccer, at football, actually, but I was I was never great either. <laughs> Thanks for that, Peter Wise. How are you doing? We haven't seen each other for quite a while. Mr. Johnson, you're looking good. I'm great, thank you. Give us your background in radio. Well, well where you were born, where you started out. Uh, Port Elizabeth, born and bred. Went to grade, junior, and high schools. Old man said, I'm a study law because I've got a good brain and he had contacts. All I wanted to do was to be on radio. So when we got to Varsity in 1980, we started Radio Uppy. That was then UPE, now Nelson Mandela University. 
there for uh, three or four years without finishing the degree. But soon thereafter, when the SABC started Radio Goa for the Eastern Cape, uh, they got me on board as the music compiler, started doing shows, ended up doing the breakfast show ultimately, and then moved to Joburg at the end of 1989, joined what was then known as Highfield Stereo, did a couple of programs, uh, eventually did the afternoon drive when Prime Media bought the station for a whack of money. Uh, that lasted a little while because with a few other folk, we went along and started Classic FM, the original. Sadly, after two years, the original funding ran out, so a whole bunch of us had to depart. But I still maintain my involvement because while I was at Highfield in the SABC, I also did sport broadca broadcasting on Radio South Africa and Radio 2000 and did a bit of TV work as well. So I had a bit of a sabbatical, but I was very involved in the world of motorsport with Sassel doing all their PR and sponsorship for their motorsport. That kept me very, very busy. And then got back into radio uh, proper in 2012 with uh, LM Radio, doing the afternoon program for a while. A uh, short while thereafter, I managed the office, selling advertising. And nowadays, I do the evening show and the rock show on a Saturday evening. And I also look after all their digital media content. Peter, can you just move your screen? Because it looks like you're peeping over a wall. Can you just push it back a bit so we can get a full picture? Oh, okay. Is that a bit better? Yeah, just push the screen back a bit. Hang on a sec. I must just get my pencil and push it forward. Better. A bit better. But anyway, that's cool. Thanks. Okay. And then Brian Oxley. Brian, uh, obviously, I know you from Capital Radio because I was a big Capital Radio fan in my in my dying school years, and uh, you're one of the uh, original broadcasters. Before you came to Capital Radio, where were you born in the UK? Did you do radio in the UK before you arrived in South Africa? No, um, I was uh, born in Newcastle, which is hometown to Sting and a, a whole host of great artists. In fact, the animals used to practice in the next street to me and Lindisfarne. So I came from a very musical kind of uh, area, um, mainly club DJs and, and stuff like that. That's actually how I got into radio. Um, I came across on contract with the uh, South African post office. I was imported uh, as a senior technician. Um, and I fell in with a crowd called Piggies and they ran mobile discos and they ran nightclubs. They had nightclubs in, uh, the, in Cape Town, the center of Cape Town. It was very upmarket uh, because it was always in international hotels. And they found the clause that in order to have a multiracial club, it has to be in an international hotel. So that's what we did. So we had the Shah of Iran in there. We had uh, Dr. Chris Barnard and all sorts of people. And they had a circuit. And eventually, long story short, they decided that we've done nightclubs. What do we do next? There's a place called Transky that's going independent. How about a radio station? How about an independent radio station that's going to punch the gnats on the nose, basically, uh, do independent news and broadcast across the, the, the borders, which is what happened. It was great, great training ground for me because uh, not only did I learn from, I was John Burks's producer, uh, the best of the South African broadcasters, but I also learned from the best of the British broadcasters, which they brought straight out of London and dropped in the jungle. Um, so it was a great time. And from there, uh, I went to, I took over the drive at 5FM. Uh, from 5FM, it was uh, SAFM, then to 702. And then I helped Chris Turner start the new LM radio. And after the LM radio, um, Tony, um, uh, Tony Sanderson wanted to start magic here in Cape Town. And then I'm at magic now. So that's kind of 
long story short. But the part you're missing is that you run quite a successful marketing business with your wife. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I did, yeah. No, I, I had a marketing and advertising uh, agency. And we also had a publishing house. We uh, launched Teen Zone magazine, which was uh, one of the very first teenage magazines in South Africa. And we had Barbie as well. <laughs> I wouldn't admit that. Business to business, yeah. Yeah, so I, yeah, we had a... A very successful advertising agency. Uh, we launched quite a, any of the, the, the major shopping centers that you know around the country. We did that. Well, my story is very short. Um, I always wanted to get into radio, been surrounded by radio all, all my life, really enjoyed it. And uh, I applied for a couple of jobs. I, I, I went down to Port, Port St. John's in the Trans Sky after my matric uh, year. I couldn't get a job, but I ended up staying uh, a week with Alan Pierce and Treasure Shavalala, which is quite an eye opener. I came back to Joburg, uh, SABC, I couldn't get a job. And I phoned this new station called 702. I went in for an interview as a technical operator. I got, I got off the bus and my mom was crying and waving a piece of paper saying, you failed the trick, you failed the trick, you've got to go do your supplementary exams. And that evening I got a call from 702 and they said, can you start on Wednesday? And that was in December, 1980. And I'm like the DJ that just wouldn't leave. That's my kind of story. <laughs> but to uh, put us through our paces today is a representative of our new, young, and digitized generation in radio. She's not a downloadable avatar, I'm telling you now. She's absolutely real. Her name is Nani Kamala. She's a BCom graduate. She's cut her teeth in radio at The Voice of Bits. She's also working at 94.7. She runs her own blog at nonikamala.co.ca. And Nani, before you start, please go easy. Because some of, some of us do have stents, I'm sure hip replacements, pacemakers, and zimmer frames. So over to you. Thank you so much, Neil, for that introduction. And thank you to the entire panel for joining us. Uh, what an absolute honor for me to be sitting amongst legends and stalwarts of the radio industry that we're in. But perhaps let's just jump straight into it. Uh, I'm going to pose this question to all of you and ask you that. There are a lot of aspirant DJs and presenters that really believe that this career brings instant fame and, and instant gratification. Um, I just want to know, what is the truth about this industry? Is the fame that easy? I'm going to start it off with, with Peter Wise. Noni, no, not at all. Uh, part of what I do in my business as well is coach people who want to be on the radio. And I always give them besides so what to do and what not to do and a couple of tips. Uh, a, a clear document explaining to you that uh, the old story about, you, you know, you're only as good as your last uh, show or news bulletin or sport bulletin or whatever you do. It's a very hard, long hours job. You've got to be dedicated. You've got to do a lot more than what you normally are contracted for, for the station. For example, whenever they have a public event, you must make sure that you're there, do your bit for them on social media and really be part of the whole team. Anybody can take it from there. Let's go with you, Neil. You know, one of the things I take quite seriously is when you do get demos and CVs from people, because I realized very early on that um, it is difficult because I used to do exactly the same. So when those arrive on my desk, I do take them seriously. Uh, but not 95% of the demos you get are for on-air positions. Um, but radio has grown to such an extent. There's so many other more 
absolutely fabulous jobs in radio, you know, um, because of the tech technology, the way we work now in a more sophisticated way with producers and technical producers and digital being added and marketing's become very sophisticated. We do a lot of research. So the on-air component is, is one thing around it and not everyone is suited to be on air. And unfortunately for people like myself, I was on air for 12 years, but I'd give myself like kind of 10 years to go, okay, if I'm not in the top 10 earners, I, I've got to do something else. But, you know, probably by the fifth year, I realized I was never going to be a top 10 earner or be an afternoon drive person. So I started getting into music research and music compiling and hanging around the programming people. And and that's how I learned radio. And, and radio in those days was pretty much analog. So I've seen it go from analog into digital. So aspiring, um, let's say people start off as DJs, they progress to being announcers, they progress to being a presenter, and then progress to be a broadcaster. So if you want to be a broadcaster, you've got to understand the industry you're in. It's not just about putting the mic on and yo, yo, I'm in the show, you know what I'm saying, give me a call, I'll do a request or a shout out or whatever. There's a lot more to this business than just putting the mic on, giving a time check, back announcing records and interviewing people. So I think uh, you need to have a, a good interest in a lot of things, a good general knowledge, uh, a good sense of the world around you. And the major thing about radio today is it's horses for courses. You need to understand your audiences and what they want. It's not about you. It's about the listeners that, that you're serving. Fantastic. All right. We'll take it to Dr. Gabriel. A very tough uh, pull to swallow there, Neil, having to tell yourself, look, if I'm not one of in the top 10 earners, then it means I definitely have to do something else. Uh, but we'll talk about mentorship once we've covered this question. Dr. Gabriel? Yes. Uh, I think a, a key component is passion, passion for radio. I think that is a critical thing for anybody and everybody that would like to get into into radio. I have never been in public radio or in a commercial radio. My, my, my field has been community radio. And for me, the whole issue when we started it was to demystify what radio is all about and to make it available to anybody and everybody. Everybody. You don't have to be a professional broadcaster to be a great broadcaster. Radio for me is storytelling, and most of us uh, love storytelling, and especially working with children now, uh, uh, you can see five, six, seven years old that are amazing broadcasters, and because they are telling their stories, and they are, te they are telling their stories with passions. But also radio, especially in the community radio sector, of course you have great community radio stations and not so great community radio stations, but something that it had been a, a, an integral component or, or should be of radio, any type of radio, is the developmental role and aspect that radio has. Uh, and if I go back to the days of Sibonelle when we were broadcasting illegally and a group of 12 kids that we trained at that time that the age was between between six and 12 years old, quite a few of them decided on a career path on media and became uh, presenters, became producers, became station managers. And now uh, uh, at RX Radio in the hospital, many of our kids, we, we have trained a hundred reporters and many of them are already thinking on a career path in media because of experience with radio. But fundamentally it's about passion. Thank you so much, Doc. And last, but definitely not least, Brian? I, I, I agree with Gabriel, yeah. Uh, um, 
the the passion has got to be there. Uh, there are too many flirtations with radio um, from people trying to get in. It's seen as you said earlier on to start off glamour. It's it's looked at as glamour. And the, one of the most joyous things for me personally is when someone comes in and they they have an interest in the radio and they start because we get interns all the time and we have the interns that just sit and just don't say anything. They sit and they look and you don't know. And then you, you say to them, so what do you want to do? Oh, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe video or something like that. But the ones that turn around and say, I want to be in radio and they know they want to be in radio. That is it. I had a, I mean, we've got someone at, um, at, at Magic who came in and one of the things was uh, very effervescent, still at Magic now, uh, but one of the, the um, concepts I had to get across was it's all about what comes out of the speaker. We can be as vibey and have as much fun in the studio, but it's what you actually say to this in this microphone and what comes out of the speaker and how you project your personality and how you structure your show. That is the be all and end all of radio. So we, as mentors and as management, we have to identify who's coming in as a flirtation and who is actually gonna have that passion. Fantastic, thank you so much for that, Brian. But the other challenges as an aspiring presenter, when I get onto the mic, I truly believe that I sound amazing, right? So I definitely need somebody to tell me where I need to improve and get better, which brings me to the concept of, of mentorship. Neil, I know that you've quite recently um, even gone to a radio station in Melbourne and taught them how to produce uh, great quality content. I want to know from you, what is the approach that as a young aspiring DJ, what approach should I take when it comes to mentorship? And what approach should mentors also take when it comes to, you know, helping mentees? You know, every, it, it's individual. I've done group sessions uh, with, with, with 20 or 30 people, and you really can't do that um, on, a, on, a, on a grand scale. If you really, you've got to look at the people you're working with, look at their strengths, and then take them aside and then go through what they want to achieve in the medium to, to long term. You know, radio today is, is very different because you need other skills other than being an announcer or a presenter or a DJ. Um, you need technical skills. You need to understand the technology because in, in most stations, even community stations, it's a highly digitized environment now. I mean, you, you're not touching records or CDs anymore. Everything gets loaded. It gets coded. So the technology part of it is very important. Editing audio, Editing video, I don't say it's got to be the Hollywood style stuff, but you need to have the rudimentary parts of audio and video. And then the other parts are the curation of what the doctor said earlier about storytelling. Um, a lot of presenters today, even in the commercial field, you can, you can see a bad presenter. If they put on the mic, say their name and give a time check, you know they haven't prepared their link. That's why I always want to put the, the clock at the back of the studio. So they're not always giving time checks. Um, so it's the curating of, of stories, the beginning, the middle, the end, how you round it off, the words you use, the way you structure it. And then also the digital aspects of it. You know, we, we are content creators now. And I think that is very important that you look at what the radio components are, what the video components are, uh, what the text components are in terms of articles, in terms of pictures, and then also the video components as well. Not everything is suited to all those particular kind of formats, but you need to understand which ones would appeal to different types of audiences because radio is 24-7, but so is the internet. And so you need, I think, a couple of skills 
uh, like the curation of, of, of content, the technical skills, and then the social media skills. And I think the more you get involved in that and the more you do it, um, the easier it, it becomes. And if you want to, you know, do this, I suggest you, you listen to the top 10 jocks. You follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You see what they're doing online and the, and the reactions or the amounts of kind of engagement they have with their audiences. I mean, there are a lot of broadcasters that have, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of people following them, but their engagement levels are really poor, you know, and they don't really, you know, people aren't reacting to, to what they're doing. They may have followers, but they, they're not engaging with them. So, in, but going back to what, what, what uh, Brian said about what comes out the speaker, that's absolutely pivotal, you know. So this arriving for your show five to the hour and leaving it five past, I know presenters and, 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 and DJs are contracted for certain hours, but you need to spend more time at the station, integrate yourself, not, in, not just into the station, but into the community that you're serving as well. Fantastic. Thanks for that, Neil. Um, if you are um, in the session, please feel free to ask any questions to, to our panelists. They are definitely here to answer all your questions. If you are a young, aspiring presenter, broadcaster, or anybody in the radio space, please feel free to go into our chat section and ask those questions. Um, this one is to Brian. You once said, if you do not change the way you operate, you could be in future trouble. And here we are today facing a pandemic that I think nobody saw coming. We're in deep trouble. Can you tell okay. us about the, the evolution of, of, of radio and, and where to from here? Are you talking, you're talking specifically about COVID situation now. Is that what you're talking yes. about? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Well, well, obviously, everybody is pulling, you know, uh, from the perspective of a commercial radio station, um, we need commercials to survive. Um, we need to um, react to this COVID-19 situation. People are pulling back on money. People don't want to advertise. Their first thought is to go into a lager situation, protect themselves and their family. Um, this, the last thought is the business. Yes, they're worrying about the business, but at the same, it's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. You know, if we don't have the, uh, the advertising, uh, the radio station can't survive. But if the businesses don't advertise, no one's going to come to the business. So it's got to be a recovery. So it's, it, the onus is on the radio station, I feel at the moment, to actually go forward into the community and do things for the community, offer cut price advertising, do things for free. Because at the end of the day, um, those businesses are going to remember that radio station that helped them as opposed to the ones that are just sitting there playing music and not doing anything for them. So you, the radio stations have got to be reactive as far as that's concerned. Sure, absolutely. Um, Dr. Gabriel, you've passed a pandemic before. Uh, you've worked in, in the healthcare system and you were involved in the HIV AIDS pandemic in South Africa when it was happening. And now we're facing a completely different pandemic. Do you agree with, with, with Brian, with what he said about, about evolution and adaptation to radio? Yes, I do. What happens is that sadly, very, very often we don't learn from the mistakes we have made in the past. And, and if you look at the parallels, they are not really a lot of parallels from a, from a medical point of view between HIV AIDS and COVID-19. Uh, they are completely different type of diseases. Uh, of course, uh, there are viruses, but uh, what I'm saying is a, is a completely different picture. But from a communication point of view, from, from somebody that is behind a mic trying to use 
radio as a tool to put health communication across. I think critical things that we see, we see it at that time and we are seeing them now, is confusing messages, is fake news, is the incredible amount of stigma attached during the HIV uh, epidemic and look at what is happening at the moment. People have a lot of fears in communities to say, I am COVID positive. And uh, uh, there is also a lot of using of jargon, not simplifying language, not being actually to popularize the messages and an incredible amount of assumptions. I always say, to our kids in our radio station, but when I teach students also, let's don't make assumptions. If you want to find out what somebody thinks, feels, wants, or needs, ask them. The whole concept of child participation or community participation, that it was very much one of the key pillars of the community radio movement around the world. Uh, it is about that. It's actually addressing the needs, the real needs of people. And for that, we need to be informed, number one. You were saying, uh, uh, Brian, it's important what comes out of the mic. And it's so important to do your research and to study what are you going to be talking about before you open your mouth. Because sadly, many people open their mouth and what it comes out is not the right thing. <laughs> and that can create incredible amount of confusion, an incredible amount of mistrust. And actually, it's all based on, based on trust with your listenership at the end. And with Neil, you were talking about mentorship. Unless you have trust with your mentee and between both the group and yourself, that cannot be developed further. But yes, those are sort of general issues on communication and on health communications that sadly we don't learn. Hmm. Neil, do you, do you think radio is under threat? Well, you know, when, um, if you just look back in history between the written word, uh, the telegraph, the telephone, uh, radio then, uh, and then television came along in the 1940s and 50s and they said there was going to be the end of radio and radio is still here and still strong and if you look at radio uh, listenership around the world a radio <laughs> yeah listenership i mean uh, it's still a very 80 to 90 percent of people have radios in their cars at home people still consume this but i must say the digital uh, aspects of it, the smart speakers um when we talk about radio we're talking about fm terrestrial radio which is what we use there's now DAB, DAB Plus. There's a smart speaker. You can listen online. You can listen to streaming. So our, our job is to keep people's attention, to make sure we understand our audiences and give them what they need, the music they love, the news they need, um, the talk shows, I mean, the information around various subjects, politics, uh, social social issues, medical issues, legal issues. So you, you, you really have to understand your audience. And I think in South Africa, TV only arrived in 1976, so radio has had a bit of a grace period, but I think that the digital thing is catching up with us and looking at the research and because everything is so data driven, uh, you can you can see where people are going, how long they're spending. 
listening, consuming things. So our job really is to make sure that, you know, the products we put on air, the services we offer, the events we do are all tied up neat and tidily to serve these particular markets. And the segmentation of the market, when you look at stations, different formats, like the doctor is doing community radio, specifically in healthcare, stations serve different purposes. Um, and having worked at a range of commercial stations that serve very different types of audiences, white audiences, colored audiences, black audiences, there are absolute differences in the way you would program these these types of radio stations and the services and the content that you would be offering. Fantastic. But Neil, as a young aspiring uh, a presenter, apart from COVID, what other threats uh, should I be looking out for if I want to get into the radio space? Well, look, I think, like I said earlier, you, you need to have those, those digital skills to understand how, you know, these signals are put through radio transmitters, put through uh, fiber, wherever they're going to be, servers, etc. Um, and I think if you're a content producer or a content provider or a presenter, you've got to look at how you treat these different things. You can be on air, you can be online, you can be on YouTube, um, and they each take take a different approach to it. But I think the main thing is people can see when you're being fake or hear when you're being fake, you know. So I think the if 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 you are presenting like content, people can see if you a if you understand it or if you're just making it up as you go along. It's it's pretty easy to see through. Absolutely true. Peter, this one's for you. Inclusion has always been such an issue in the radio space. Dr. Gabriel spoke about language and there are many other uh, barriers to entry in the radio space. Do you think that's still the case today? And if any, what other challenges are there? Noni, sorry, you said what is um, a challenge? Yes, the challenges of inclusion in the radio space. Oh, so whether inclusion. the language barrier, a person living with disabilities, um, or whatever the case might be. Well, I think all radio stations uh, need to have a very, very firm social responsibility program, both internally and also with the community that they are broadcasting with. And as many have said today, you need to understand and know who your audience are and accordingly apply. I mean, at the moment, many radio stations are obviously taking heed of the fact that people are frustrated, irritated, stressed, with regard to restrictions during COVID-19. And so accordingly, you've got to adjust your programming. You know, you find nowadays every morning you wake up and you watch the TV channels, news, both local and international, generally you're getting bombarded by the stats from around the world. I mean, I like to believe and what I try and do in my programming in the evening is if I have to talk about COVID-19, I'm gonna look at something that's a bit lighter. For example, there was a story about police in Melbourne asking residents in lockdown that when they arrive at their door, please to have clothes on. To me, that's still a way of highlighting the fact that we do have this uh, particular pandemic going, but not to throw all the heavy information 24 hours a day. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Gabriel, you're very passionate about children and, and, and children's radio. Um, do you think there is some kind of age limit when it comes to, to entering uh, the radio space? Is there a certain age to start and is there a certain age to end? 
Look, uh, Nani, uh, uh, I can I can I can tell you the story of of, of Rx Radio now. When we started in the, that started in 2016, uh, in our first training uh, of child reporters, the younger was four years old. So uh, so and she was sitting behind the mic and telling her stories in an amazing way. And the older, eighteen years old. I have worked with the, the, the younger child that I have worked in radio have been three years old. So I will say that below three is a little bit more complex. But uh, when uh, when when Takalani uh, Sesame came to South Africa, they asked me to 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 support their coming here and, and help them at the, the productions teams, etc., etc. And 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 there I work with a group of and Takalani Sesame. The, the age group is three to six. So I, I work with with a group of, of of children three to six. You were talking about the pandemic, uh, the, well, the epidemic of HIV AIDS those were all HIV positive kids and uh, and as a result of that the Muppet that was positive came from all that type of, of storytelling from the kids and their own experiences so from maybe other people have worked work with with younger ones but uh, uh, three years old they were they were good and because again it's storytelling kids love stories and what we call, you know, uh, we, we coin this in a way, the power of the mic, you know. The moment you give a mic to a child, uh, you level the communication disbalance, the top-down approach from adults to kids. So actually, the kid with the mic, uh, we have a patient Ramaphosa at RX Radio last Mandela Day last year, the four kids that interviewed them, they were between 10 and 13 years old, and they were amazing. Uh, you must go and look at that interview uh, in, 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 in our website. So, 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 so it's an incredible uh, developmental tool in so many ways, but also the balance, the disbalance of children and adults, because sadly, the old Adagio children are here to be seen, but not to be heard is still very true. So adults don't take seriously what kids have to say and uh, and often don't listen to what they have to say. I'll definitely make sure to listen to that interview, Dr. Gabriel. Brian, do you think there's a certain age where you need to stop radio altogether? Definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Gabrielle's just said, give, give, a, give a mic to a kid. That's exactly what's happening here, you know? Just give a mic to a kid. <laughs> I, I put that mic on, which, by the way, it's not a mic button you press. It's a smile button. Never call it a mic button. It's a smile button. When you're on the radio, you hit that button, you smile, because that conveys across the, the, the transmission. And you were saying about, uh, just a thought that popped into my mind, you were saying about, um, uh, you know, relating, or Neil was saying about relating to your audience, but with, digi with digital technology now, we're right around the world now. Anyone wanting to get into radio, uh, urge them to download the app Radio Garden and have a look at Radio Garden. It's got green little dots on all the radio stations around the world. You can spin the globe. You can see how many um, radio stations there are, both community, commercial, whatever they are, um, there are millions. And when you spin that globe, if you want to get into radio, think to yourself, what am I going to bring to this table here? What am I going to bring to this globe? 
which little green dot am I going to be in the world? Because that's a challenge. And once you realize that, once you have something to bring to the party, the stories to tell, the, the funnies, uh, your personality, then you're, you're on the run to get into radio. Uh, you know, one thing, I mean, on the digital side of things, we have a strange anom anomaly now. I mean, I've got a guy in a, in, a, in a vineyard in Iowa who's a regular listener. I've got people in the Netherlands. I've got people in France, apart from everywhere else. And our streaming figures on our current radio station are bigger than our BRC figures, but they're not quantified. They're not qualified. So that blows the whole concept of radio listenership out of the out of the frying pan. I mean, it's you know what are we what are we doing here when it comes to research on who's listening to radio stations? Because all of these radio stations we're talking about here, LM and and Kaya and 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 you know all the other ones, they've got streaming as well. They've got people. They've got apps. We've got a huge listenership, and radio is certainly not dead. Certainly not dead. If anything else, it's growing because print is going to be dead just now. We've seen what's happening with print because they can't compete. They can't run a new station, a new story, as fast as we can on radio. You tap me on the sh shoulder and give me a piece of paper about a breaking news story. It's on there. It's broadcast. People hear it straight away. And you've got to, so as far as radio being, mm -mm, no. And definitely age-wise, sorry, I'm still going. I love it. I have a passion. I enjoy it. How many more years, Brian? <laughs> I don't know. Never say never. Why? I mean, you know, look at look at BBC Radio 2. I mean, they, you know, the guys just keep on going till they fall over. You know, that's what we're missing here. That's the one big thing we're missing here. We have our hip hop stations. We have, uh, uh, you know, adult contemporary stations. But the adult contemporary stations came along too late. That was the problem. They should have come along earlier. So the BBC Radio 2 takes you to that age because one of the things that happened, people say, hey, you know, I listen, used to listen to hip hop, I used to listen to 80s, I used to listen to 90s. Now I've got nowhere to go and nothing to listen to. Or news even, or news. You know, that it, it's, it's got to be holistic. So the advent of uh, digital audio broadcasting, uh, more stations, uh, the training grounds are there for, for, new, um, uh, for new talent because community stations look at that i mean in those in the early days we had there was nothing to train on you would have maybe there was clicks and a mr price radio and that kind of thing and your broomstick if you wanted to do that as well um but now you have all these community stations which is and, and varsity stations which is fantastic there is a whole training ground there you're absolutely correct brian i think there's every audience at every age yeah. I mean, if, if they still somebody that's 90, they still want to listen to somebody on the air. Um, that's going to give them relatable content. Um, so thank you so much for that, Brian. We do have Nani, a question. Yes? Um, Nani, we've we got some voice notes, apparently. Okay, we do have some voice notes. Okay, so let's go to our voice notes and let's hear what you have to say. They're having finger problems. Are they having problems? Okay, Neil. So in the meantime, let me ask you this question. We've got a question from Mac Peary, who says, Neil, has COVID affected your station's programming in any way in terms of broadcasters working from home? And have you let go of any members of your team? Well, look here, this has affected every radio station. I mean, it's affected business across the board. Um, and I think it's taught a, a very big lesson to radio broadcasters around remote broadcasting. We all do outside broadcasts, and we all know the technology behind that, but now you've got to do it for every show. I mean, certain stations have a certain amount of shows coming in, 
uh, live into the studio. Um, but ultimately, a lot of guys are, are broadcasting from home. Uh, you need standardized software. You need to get headphones and microphones. You need to make sure that the connection is stable. So there's a lot of things that that potentially could could go wrong. But generally, at, at the station I was working at, Kaya, um, a lot of the guys had their own setups at home already because that's what they do. Um, so it was it affected news uh, quite severely because normally you do news with actuality, and our software systems couldn't uh, do actuality offline the box pops. Um, so, so it wasn't perfect, but I think it's okay. The thing that worries me the most is being around people all day. So if there's a sales issue, I could go to the sales department. If uh, I get a new song, I could run down to the music department. I could deal with digital. I could deal with news, the producers, and everything was tactile. It was around you. You could deal with things. Um, dealing with it on Zoom or on Skype or on, on, on video meetings and making phone calls. You're at an arm's length from what you're doing. And also, um, we've had to stop guests coming into the studio. And also, that changes. You know, if you have a guest sitting in the studio next to you, you can see their body language, you can see their facial expressions. You know, there's a lot of information like you take in cognitively. Um, and, and that's been quite difficult, like as well. I know that the shareholders and the owners are thinking, this is a great thing. We can close down the office and we can just all work at home remotely. Uh, but it's going to have a, 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 it will have a, a fundamental change to the way we do things. And that'll ultimately change what comes out of the speaker. That's what I think. Uh, listen, Noni, they just uh, WhatsApp me now. They said, let's try with the voice notes again. So let's. All right, cool. We can hear the let's voice notes. <laughs> See what I was talking about. <laughs> so difficulties there. I'm not hearing any voice notes. Are you? I'm also not hearing any voice notes. Okay, let, let's continue. All right. So there is a question here uh, from Rehumuditwe, who says, my question is that has digital platforms that we now have taken out uh, the mystery that comes with radio. These days, uh, we can see our broadcasters through platforms like Facebook Live. Right, so that one I'm gonna to ask to Peter. Peter, what do you think about that question? Um, maybe to a certain extent, but not a large extent. You know, I think that um, people still, because there's always the mystery behind listeners listening to you on air and trying to think what kind of person is that? What do they do really besides what they're doing on the radio, which most of us do, except for those full-time employed. But obviously the digital component is very important to add a bit more, uh, maybe your personality of that particular individual. But I still think that your normal kind of transmission, whether it's on FM or medium wave or whatever, is going to be around for a long, long time. Noni, can I, yes, can, 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 can I, can I share a, a very short anecdote, a true one, uh, that I think also pictures the magic of radio. Uh, uh, when we started Sibonelli illegally, uh, one of the first broadcasts, the community health worker called Pumelele, was behind the mic. And it was a homemade radio station. And uh, he was broadcasting in Isikosa. And uh, more or less two hours later, this old lady arrives to the community health center that it was the grandmother of Pumelele. 
and she must have been in her middle 80s. And she came straight to, uh, to, to Sister Joambi and myself and say, how did you manage to put Pumelele inside the radio? <laughs> and I thought that was a remarkable story. But you know what happened? Actually, when we explained the technology and what was happening, she became a weekly report, Easy Cos uh, traditional Cosa stories, and she worked with us for more or less two years until she passed away. So it was a beautiful, beautiful story about the magic of radio. Sure. Thank you so much for sharing that, Doctor. That's a really beautiful story. Okay, we're going to try one last time. Fingers crossed. Do we have any voice notes? Oh shit, come on. I'll see the technical department in my office after the show. <laughs> All right, you know, we'll keep trying the voice notes, uh, but I think that a very important question as somebody who is a new God, um, I want to ask you, old God, which I don't think you look so old, actually, just by the way, <laughs> what advice would you then give to us newbies who want to get into the radio space. I mean, having facing obviously challenges that we all want to get on air, but as well as having to face the COVID pandemic. Um, what advice would you give to us? Peter, I'm going to start with you. You know, um, people who have a passion for radio must understand that there are many aspects and environments that you can be very actively and successfully involved in, in radio. We were speaking a bit earlier about mentoring. And in my campus radio days, a fellow came along there. He was desperate to be on air. I listened and I said to him, David, you're never going to be on air. You just don't have the voice for it. However, you're a good programming guy. You're a good organizing guy. And nowadays, he's the CEO of AME. He's had a long career in the world of radio. He learned every aspect of it and still he has a passion. So if you think that being on radio is just being behind a microphone, you must forget about it. There are many other ways that you can make a major contribution, both internally and externally for the public. Well, absolutely. Brian? Um, yeah, um, get on radio any way you can. If you have to wash the dishes, if you have to come in just to help as an intern for months and months and months, get in there, get a foot in the door. Um, when Capital Radio started many years ago, it was started by the man that started Capital Radio in London. He was a man called Michael Butt. Um, and I was a producer. I was a producer of John Burke's at the time. And I said to him, I said, Michael, I really want to be on radio. He said, Brian, he says, I've listened to your audition tape. He says, I have to tell you, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. He said, you are never, ever going to be on radio. Sure. <laughs> Go, figure. Go figure. Sure. That's it, Tick. Um, yeah. Neil, we have a question here from Sia Bulela who says, how does load shedding affect radio with presenters working from home? Is there a possibility of going dark on air? Yes, there is. I mean, if, if people don't have standby generators or haven't got uh, uninterrupted power, power supply, um, then you are going to be in the dwang. Um, but I think uh, generally, if there was I mean, load shedding, we deal with it as part of our lives now. I mean, this morning, the first thing I did was get up, go to City Power's website, 
Uh, there's no load shedding today, so I knew this wasn't going to be a problem. But in the back of my mind, it was, okay, plan B, if this doesn't happen. And as a programmer, if I had people on air that were um, having load shedding, you'd have to make a plan. You'd have to get them to another venue. I know that some stations have even uh, gone to the extent to, um, you know, get off premises, um, another premises. So if load shedding did happen, their presenters, their producers, their newsrooms could could work off-site. But uh, yeah, besides having the generator or the uninterrupted power supply, you've got to have plan B and plan, plan C as well. Thank heavens, it's, it's not all video. It's audio, so the bandwidth uh, issues are, are not that bad. But ideally, I would suggest that if people are going to do home studios, that they do have some kind of un uninterrupted power supply. Fantastic. Thanks for that, Neil. We've got one more question, and this one I'd like to ask to Dr. Gabriel. It's from Metro Mandla Tom, who says, as a broadcaster in regional or community radio stations, being popular or famous is the furthest thing on my mind. As soon as I ticked on the effective column, it made profound sense. My passion is not just for radio or being on radio. It's going beyond that. It's my love to serve people. Am I doing this the wrong way? I don't think so at all. I think uh, the passion for radio and the passion to serve, uh, they go very much together. It doesn't matter if you're in the public, commercial, or community broadcasting uh, tires of, of broadcasting. I think that's wonderful. And uh, continue doing what you are doing. And at, at, the end of the, at, at the end of the day, don't allow anybody to tell you you cannot do that. Follow your dreams and do what you want to try. You, Brian, you were talking about, yeah, you will never be behind the mic and look at that. Uh, so sometimes, yes, we have terrible voices. Sometimes there are so many other spaces where we can work in a radio station. But at the end of the day, follow your, your gut feeling, follow your, your wants, follow your dream. And some of us will achieve them, some of us will not. But uh, I think the important thing is to follow. Fantastic. And, and Peter, what do you have to say about that question? Well, I think just to add, I mean, you know, working within the world of radio is wonderful. Every day is different. Every show is different. Uh, some days are very, very good. Some days, for whatever reason, you're feeling not that happy. However, as a professional, you just get up there. And I think it was Brian, he was always saying it's not the on button, it's the smile button. And you just do it. For the passion and always be involved in whatever you know even if you are uh, employed as an announcer a broadcaster a show host call it what you want always make sure you involve yourself and learn all the other aspects of radio programming sales technical digital all the rest because then you'll give yourself an all-round ability to be able to make a difference to whoever you're working for as you go down. And even if the day comes where you're no longer wanted to be an on-air personality, you can still do many other things until you finally pop off. Absolutely. I completely agree with you there, Peter. Um, Brian, I'd like to ask you this question. What is your proudest moment in radio? My proudest moment? Good grief. Um, 
probably, uh, well, I've got this award behind me from Handel uh, Scarus TBWA, um, and also um, being, uh, you know, uh, put into the, uh, the the Radio Hall of Fame. Um, that was uh, quite proud of that as well. Uh, but just being on radio, I mean, I'm proud to be there. And just just to go back on on that question that came in about, um, you know, I don't want to be famous and all this kind of thing. One thing that the COVID situation has created is people are reaching out to radio stations for help, not just financially. They're, they're reaching out for a mental solace. And one of the things that I've noticed, particularly on my show, uh, because of the WhatsApps and the, and the new app communication, we've had a lot of people coming in saying, oh, I'm really feeling down today. You guys have upped your game. You guys have put new features on the radio. You guys feel like you're talking to us, um, you know, or can you tell me where I can get this? Or can you tell me? So we've kind of become a little info helpline and 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 solace area um which is great as well you know that's that's the other aspect of what's happening thanks thanks to technology absolutely um just obviously looking at time i just want to take this opportunity to say thank you to to brian uh, dr gabriel and peter for allowing me this opportunity to interrogate you, as well as you, Neil. I've had such a fantastic time speaking to you and picking your brain. I'll hand it over to Neil. Thanks, Donnie. You've done a great job. Thanks for thanks for doing this like today. It's been great. It's been absolutely great. I'd just like to thank our, our panel, our Hall of Famers, and that includes Dr. Gabriel Urgoti, Peter Wise, Brian Oxley, and uh, the other Hall of Famer who couldn't make it today, who is ill, the Reverend uh, Prince Zulu. I'd also like to thank our partners, the Conrad Adenauer Institute, RCS Africa, ONOFM, the Abundant Media Group, as well as Crossroads Studios. Please, we ask you to get to the Radio Days uh, Africa website. That's www.radiodaysafrica and register for all the remaining sessions. We in week two. We still have another two weeks to go. You can follow us on Facebook on the Business Radio Academy Facebook page. Also on Twitter at Radio Days Africa with the hashtag RDA2020 and the hashtag the new normal and in session 11 on monday it's the bbc news sessions and uh, rafilwe makanyane will be uh, speaking to the bbc news editor in lagos nigeria and thanks for joining us today and please have a great mandela day tomorrow and a fabulous radio weekend you can join us on monday at 2 p.m for session 11 of radio days africa the new normal thanks for joining us Thank you for joining this Radio Days Africa session. Click to watch or download the podcast. Radio. That was a Radio Days Africa podcast brought to you by the Vids Radio Academy.